We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everybody. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow coming to you once again tonight after a really great Dallas Mavericks victory over the San Antonio Spurs, 117-110. I just finished writing uh, the game recap, which you can find on MavsMoneyBall.com. So I want to collect my thoughts for a second and punt to uh, Josh. So, Josh, what did you think? Uh, great win. Um, got a little dicey in the fourth quarter again, which seems to be the case in a lot of the Mavericks wins, but hey, that's okay. Uh, they're not going to hold that against them, you know, as they're fighting for an eighth seed uh, down the stretch. They don't count any less. Um, obviously, the story of the night is Lucas historic 40-point triple-double, 42 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, really just, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about Luca. He's been doing it all season. Um, just wildly efficient when he gets inside the three-point line and toward the rim. Uh, did that again tonight, seemingly scored in the pick and roll at will. Uh, the only time he really seemed to be stopped tonight was when his three-pointers weren't falling uh, a little bit in the second half. Otherwise, he was doing whatever he wanted. And I was shocked that the Spurs did not try to double him a little bit more, especially in the pick and roll. Uh, they were really leaving LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, Jakob Pertl on an island. Um, and when the Mavericks screeners got good screens and, and forced the switch, uh, Luca scored, you know, almost at will just with, you know, the variety of shots that he can make at the basket. Uh, but probably that, you know, other than that, like a big picture thing that I took away from this game is starting from Saturday night game against the Raptors and now tonight against the Spurs. I think the Mavericks might have turned the corner on their rotations and lineups. I'm actually writing about this right now uh, for a morning after tomorrow. But the Mavericks are riding their starters harder and they're giving a little bit less rope to the bench. And I feel like they're starting to figure out who their best players are and who their best players play with uh, the best together. Um, tonight, only two guys got more than 20 minutes off the bench, and it was Maxi Kleba and DeLon Wright. 
who you would say are two of their top seven players, so they deserve to play that much. Uh, against the Raptors on Saturday night, uh, since Kleba started, uh, no uh, bench players got more than 20 minutes, and the most was DeLon Wright at 19 and Tim Hardaway Jr. at 19. Uh, Hardaway Jr., uh, who is shooting terribly, uh, and despite his good uh, plus-minus stats, uh, 19 minutes against the Raptors and 15 minutes against the Spurs. And it feels like Rick, I think, is finally settling in and realizing who the guys that he can trust, who the guys he can ride uh, harder uh, throughout the course of a game. Starters played big minutes again tonight, and it's not ideal, for obviously, for the starters to, to play big minutes. You would like the bench uh, to help pick up the slack when they do come into the game. But it's at least nice to know that uh, – it doesn't feel as much as throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. It kind of feels like, Hey, this is sustainable. Let's make sure we play our top five to eight guys as much as we can in a responsible manner, of course. And we should, we should be better. You know, it's, it's a, it's a big change from the first 10 or 11 games or so of the season. And uh, it's nice to see, and we'll see, you know, it's only been two games uh, of this, so we'll see if they keep it up. So, the funny part about Luka Doncic's historical triple-double, there's only one other player that has ever had a 40-point triple-double at this age, that was LeBron James. At one point in the game, Luka was 12 of 18. That he finished 14 of 27 is almost comical. Uh, a couple more bounces. had you know He missed four free throws. You know A couple bounces on some of those late uh, fourth-quarter layups and really some of the ones he was forcing a at the end of the third quarter, he could have had a 50 point triple double. Uh, that was absolutely in play. And the Mavericks honestly could have used it. So that sort of thing was, was really just outstanding to see. Um, there's a number of things that you talked about there that I, that I want to circle back to. I think we need to address uh, the fact that this was Porzingis's third straight uh, double, double, which was outstanding. Uh, he really rebounded the ball. Well, in the first quarter when the Spurs couldn't hit the broad side of the barn, he kind of, I don't want to say, I don't want to say disappeared, but uh, there's, I still don't entirely understand what's happening when, when he sets a screen and then he get, gets the catch. It's, it's very odd watching him take shots off the dribble. But again, you know, the, those sort of, uh, you know, those sort of stat lines are the thing Dallas needs as he continues to work himself out. And we've not even really addressed the, the other man of the hour and, and Dorian Finney-Smith, who finished with a career-high 22 points had eight rebounds, had three assists. He really played probably, you know, the points are one thing, but he played a complete game on both ends of the floor. He is really the 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 leader of uh, Mavericks who move without the ball. Uh, you know, he's always doing something. He had a couple of really great dunks just off of the fact that he, you know, tries hard. And that's really fun to watch. I was really, you know, I've been really critical of him over the years just because, you know, we see these stretches uh, where he hasn't been able to shoot. And, you know, maybe he is just going to be a career 30% guy, but if he continues to play this hard and make these sorts of things happen, he, he just, he's, he's a positive for the lineup. I'm, I'm really, really happy for him. That was, that was fun to watch. Yeah. This is the type of game where you're like, if he would make his shots, like this is why analytics love him, coaches love him. And you can just kind of see how valuable of a player he is because he does so much, so much right outside of the fact that he can't shoot. And the thing is, is, you know, not shooting in, in the sport of basketball like it's the whole point so it just feels like it's magnified a little more and it causes us to have these weird back and forth conversations about how good he is uh 
because he contributes so well in all other facets of the game. Um, well, so, so I had a so stat for you. I had a stat for you that I pulled up that I thought this was wild because I know I knew he had three makes. And so I'm sitting here in my head thinking, well, he can't have had that many games where he had three or more three point makes. If you were to put a guess. So just to give you some context, he's played 190. This will be 196 professional games. How many games do you think he's had three or more three pointers? Uh, 25. Uh, I mean, this is only his 12th, but you know, for a guy who shoots on volume, you know, particularly the past two years, he's only taking three or so a game. So as, as crazy as this might sound, what if, what if Fetus needs to get his attempts up? Because you know, if he's shooting five a game and connecting on one and a half, like that'd be huge for Dallas. Instead, what happens is he, sh- he has these games where he shoots three and he misses all three and we're kind of like, what's happening? So, I mean, the way his shot looked tonight, his confidence was through the roof. The, the, you know, Dallas needed every single one of his contributions too. Yeah. Um, and it, like I said, you know, he just does so many great things outside of his shooting that like this is just kind of an example of what happens when he makes shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the thing about him since he's been in Dallas is he's a terrific, you know, I don't know how to really to describe it, but he's a terrific ball mover not in the sense of someone that is going to rack up assists or be a playmaker but he doesn't let the ball stick Mm -hmm. he's very good at when he knows that he doesn't have an opening or a lane or an opportunity to get up a good shot he's immediately swinging the ball around the perimeter to the guys that he knows can make plays and this is why last season uh, when we had Harrison Barnes and, and Wes Matthews this is why Finney Smith I think played so much better than those guys despite the fact that he couldn't shoot as well is because he just doesn't let the ball stick and he doesn't take bad shots and he doesn't gum up your offense. And uh, tonight he did more of that. You know, he, uh, like you said, he kind of had that really nice dunk. I think in the, I can't remember if it was late in the first half or early in the second half. And it was just the fact that the ball was kind of moving and he, and, you know, he saw defense that was kind of back pedaling and he took advantage and he just makes a lot of smart plays and, He's really the only he's really the only guy they have like a wing that can do the things that he can do in terms of defense, rebounding, moving the ball, moving without the ball. Um, uh, you know, when you look at the other wings on the roster, Justin Jackson, Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, even Luca to a degree, Luca cannot play the defense uh, that that Dorian Finney-Smith can. That's what makes him so invaluable, and that's what makes him so frustrating because he's so invaluable despite the fact that he's a 30% three-point shooter, and you always feel like there can be something a little bit better, but, you know, tonight's the night uh, that kind of proves, you know, how good he can be, you know, if he if he contributes, you know, really just anything remotely positive in terms of scoring. Yeah, yeah. I was – this was probably one of the more exciting games I've had the chance to cover in, like, the past three years – uh it's going to be one of those that we look back at for a while where you know it's funny Luca has really started to make serious MVP buzz and that's when you when you start to see the the narrative shift where people look for reasons to pick at his game um that's when you know a guy like him's arrived and what's crazy it, it you know Tim Cato of the Athletic mentioned this earlier there's just still so much upside for this Maverick offense um, Luca's obviously playing at a really high level, but there's so many other things that could start to go right for these guys. Obviously, they played really well or shot the ball really well tonight from three, hit 42% from beyond the arc. 
Um, there were, you know, a fair number of concerning things. I don't even know. I almost need to watch that game again to figure out what happened in the fourth quarter because, you know, the Mavericks were up by 18 at multiple points, and the fact that the Spurs pushed, pulled all the way within two is pretty, you know, I'm sure Carlisle is going to be pretty displeased about that um, come tomorrow. But the bench did not really get that fourth quarter going well, and that just seemed to, like, the the, the rhythm of the game really seemed to get off by the time the starters made their made their way back in it. But, you know, like you said, the the minutes was, are starting to pan out a little bit different ways. Um, I'm really surprised Jalen Brunson only ended with with 13 minutes. He, he you know, he has played two low minute but solid games in a row, which was which was really something. Um, the one things the things that I'm concerned about that I think, you know, we just need to look, you know, looking ahead. Obviously, we've we've talked about how well they played. I want to focus on that. It's very important. The things that we need to, uh, you know, that I'm concerned about particularly are. The rebounding that game, the Mavericks just got their butts kicked. Um, outside of you know the some of the specific people that we've already mentioned, no one really seemed to be able to grab a board. You know, Dwight Powell's never been the best rebounder, but four boards in twenty five minutes when the Spurs are out there grabbing seventeen offensive rebounds, like that sort of stuff. You, that's how the Spurs worked themselves back into the game. They had twelve more attempts, um, and then I think I started to say this, but the. The free throws for Dallas, they they have to get better. They shot 70 per just below 70% from the line tonight. They're 16th in the league. Uh, for the number of attempts that they take, the Mavericks are fourth and in, in, in terms of, of attempts per game. So they need to find a way to close that gap. You know, if they're gonna be shooting this many, they need to at least shoot in the mid, they need to at least shoot in the low 80s, in my opinion. Because they have they're good shooters who are taking these shots. I don't I still don't entirely understand what's happening with that. But, you know, again, these are these are kind of minor quibbles, things that you look towards as, um, you know, you, we believe the Mavericks are are essentially um, on a path to be a playoff team if they continue this sort of stuff. They've had some frustrating losses, uh, but the path is there for them to make the playoffs. So these sorts of things are, the, are what you look for as the team continues to grow because they just still have so much they can improve upon, which is really crazy to think about. Yeah, and you were talking about like what happened in that fourth quarter. Um, you you mentioned it. They missed a handful of free throws. They well, Marcus Aldridge got a couple offensive boards, and that kind of just let the Spurs hang around. Um, another thing was, you know, for a team that is as proficient in the mid range as the Spurs are, uh, they really, you know, which makes sense when you your two best play. You know, I don't know two best players, but when your two best offensive you know, focal points are LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Hey, surprise, you're going to be a mid-range focused team. And if there's one thing about the Mavericks approach tonight was, you know, they are a team that loves letting uh, opposing teams take those mid-range shots. And, you know, I felt like when you've got a team like the Spurs that relish in taking those shots, I would have liked the Mavericks to maybe have done a little bit better job making them a little more, you know, I know I say this a lot, making them more uncomfortable. It seemed like the Spurs were, you know, the Mavericks like to drop back and uh, give space, you know, 15 to 20 feet from the basket uh, to let, you know, they'll they'll gladly let a ball handler take that shot, that mid-range too. And the Spurs just have so many guys that like doing that. I felt like, you know, that they were just walking into shots that they were very comfortable with, even if they're not, you know, statistically efficient shots. And even if the math says, hey, you take your chances, you know, Maybe against a team like San Antonio, you don't take your chances since they're so good at scoring in that area. Um, but otherwise, you know, not too many complaints. Uh, 
DeMar DeRozan was ridiculous, and that's why the game was close. I mean, four, 14 to 20 from the field, no threes, uh, really the epitome of a DeMar DeRozan uh, performance. And as good as Dorian Finney-Smith was tonight, uh, DeRozan kind of had his way, even when Finney-Smith was guarding him. Uh, the Spurs did a good job of forcing the Mavs to switch, and I think you know, like Seth Curry was on him for a handful of possessions, and that didn't go well. Um, and yeah, they just the Spurs. Hey, they're the Spurs, Rick. You know, even if they're a bad record, they're going to give the Mavs hell uh, until the very end, and that's kind of what happened. And Dallas was able to hold on. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know maybe we're giving away the bar uh, the story a little bit here, but I think one of us should try to have somebody on that can talk about this drop coverage on defense because it's something that I don't entirely understand. I suppose from like a big man point of view, you don't really want a guy like Porzingis out there. That's what it's been explained to me on, but. They have these, you know, they keep talking about versatile lineups and some of the lineups they have, some of the guys that they have can blitz. And I I would be very curious as to understanding the defensive philosophy behind it, because there's just too many good shooters in the league to give these kind of shots up. And the Mavericks have, have, uh, you know, the, the Trailblazer game comes to mind. The Boston game comes to mind. There's just been these games where guys have absolutely destroyed them because they're giving them shots that they like. So that would be that. I think that's something we should we should either you know write about or look into. I'd just be very curious about it. Um, but before we get out of here, you got anything else to to go on? Um, uh, it's nice to see Seth Curry two games in a row. I know that ha- have impactful game. I know he kind of faded in the second half, uh, but he was part of that fantastic first quarter start. Mm-hmm. Um, he had four assists. Uh, he. Kind of played – he had some nice passes to Kristaps that Kristaps didn't finish all of them. He might have had six or seven assists if KP made a couple more shots. Uh, so I, it's it's kind of like slowly but surely they are figuring out ways to get Seth more involved. And it's a work in progress as evidenced by the second half tonight. But it's still – <laughs> yeah, it's still – yeah, he missed some good looks. He had two or three good-looking threes uh, – you know, after the first quarter that should have gone down for him. But uh, yeah, it's just, it it feels like it's progress. It's progress. It's not a lot of progress, but it's progress. And it's at least it's a hell of a lot better than it was a week ago. Yep. I had fun. Well, so we'll be back probably Wednesday night. The, uh, the Mavericks play, who do they play? Oh, they host the Warriors uh, at a little bit of an early start. So everybody be looking forward to that. And obviously Josh has a morning after piece coming out tomorrow morning. Uh, we have another piece from our guy Jordan that's going to be coming up looking at some of uh, some very specific things within the Mavericks offense. Uh, I recommend, you know, coming back, checking out Mavs Moneyball. And as always, if you haven't, please subscribe, give us five stars, give us feedback. We really enjoy doing these and we hope you guys too. So we will uh, see you guys out there. Have a good day. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com